Commerce Famous, the bi-weekly podcast all about e-commerce and retail. In each episode, your host Ben Marks cuts through the clutter and takes you straight to the stories and experiences of those who shape digital commerce as we know it today. While their names and faces might not be recognized on the street, each of Ben's guests are famous for commerce or commerce famous. Without further ado, your host, Ben Marks. Hey everyone, this is Ben Marks, host of Commerce Famous. Uh, we're coming to the end of the year here, our very first year in production, and I'm pretty proud of uh, what all we've accomplished this year so far. Had some great guests on, had some uh, just some truly amazing discussions. So I wanted to leave you all with a little bit of, uh, I don't know, holiday cheer as we get ready for the new year. So I'd like to uh, invite you to listen back to episode number one with my good friend and mentor, Roy Rubin, co-founder of Magento. Enjoy. Happy New Year. Roy, why does being the co-founder of Magento make you commerce famous? You know, we had identified an opportunity kind of in the early years of commerce uh, and really took advantage of it, really, you know, began to build what was an exciting new platform in an era that I thought was really ripe for innovation. It was a great journey and I was very much glad to be part of it and and have been doing this now, commerce that is, for the past 20 years. So it's been a blast. Well, so, I mean, what, what were the conditions behind what, you know, what, what led to you building what you built? Can you talk about what the market was like back then? Because, I mean, we're talking about, you know, 2006. I mean, I know you spent time, you, 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 you kind of started, you, you figured out how to make some money at, while you were at UCLA. And then if I, if I remember the story correctly, you know, 10 weeks, you know, 10 weeks before you would have been, you'd have finished, you had to go all in on the agency. And then eventually your agency got so, got so big, you needed a solution that didn't exist. Um, you know, can you talk about that? You know, what was going on in the market back then? Yeah. I mean, look, I think ultimately what was going on was I think, you know, open source, from an e-commerce perspective, you know, open source was sort of the model in which you acquire software for, you know, relatively low cost free, right? You know, ultimately. Um, so, you know, at the time there was open source and there were, you know, there were commercial systems like Microsoft and, you know, Oracle had one and, you know, and others. And there was really not a whole lot in the middle. Um, open source was really taken off across the board from infrastructure to, to applications that were built on top of it. Um, and commerce, um, which we were, you know, using open source commerce tools back then, just didn't have anything exciting, anything fresh, anything new, anything innovative. It's been stuck. Um, and as our agency business grew, we got to a point in time where we said, look, we just can't continue building a business on top of old aging open source software. So there's sort of a pivot that we need to do. You know, one is to go and now become a Microsoft house or an Oracle house, um, which I wasn't that excited about because that just wasn't my background. Um, you know, or do we think now that we have the team to really think about that next generation platform and deliver that platform in an open source model? And, and I think that there was always this aspiration that I had to build product. You know, 37 signals at the time was huge. I was looking at that. And it was just like, wow, these yeah. guys are incredible. Remember those yeah. days? Oh man, yeah. Then they, they had something new and impactful coming out. Like they just didn't miss. Right. Web 2.0, right? I mean, that, that was a big movement where we saw these lightweight products, 
using JSON. You probably remember that band, right? That was like, mm-hmm. you know, so cool and hip. And, and you know, I was a Perl programmer back in the day, turned to PHP and just started to see a lot of innovation happening, especially on the front end of things. And I said, you know what? Nobody's really doing this for commerce. Um, and these old open source systems just didn't have the vision and, and the leadership, you know, the people sort of focused on it that gave me a sense that there's a future there. So okay. instead of waiting for somebody to pick up the ball, I just said, we're going to go do this. And that's our calling. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, that is, that is how you, um, that is how you change an industry or at least make your mark in an industry is, is taking that kind of chance. Now you called out a couple of things that, that I, I think are, are really relevant to the idea of being commerce famous. And, um, you know, you, you talk about, you know, sort of the free acquisition cost or the sort of the free acquisition of software you know, through the efforts of, of others. I mean, that is, that is kind of the crux of open source, but I mean, really that's a, you know, that, that is sort of the, the most top level, uh, top level of assessment because you really, you have to have a community in order to basically, you have to have the practitioners show up. So you have to create the vessel and you have to be responsive. And, you know, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that was like, because it was really the ecosystem building that I, that I think underpinned that approach of, bringing the efforts of so many together. And then the other thing you mentioned was innovation. I mean, again, you have got to have a a well-informed, a well-enabled and engaged ecosystem in order to, uh, in order to actually realize innovation in an open source project. What was, what was it like trying to attract attention at first to, to this, this fledgling project? Great question. Look, ultimately what, I identified in the very beginning is that the open source product that we'll be releasing will be built in-house, meaning, you know, the alternative was to go out and source developers and say, hey, guys, here's what we're building. Here's sort of our thesis, our manifesto that, that was big in the day. And we need help. And let's get a group of folks from the, you know, from, from the world, from out there to go and help us build Magento. But I knew that as a business running the agency, I needed very clear timelines. I needed dependability. I needed, you know, a quality level, given that we're dealing with payments uh, and customers that I just could not rely on now by going out and sourcing third-party talent to go help me go build this, right? So I made a decision early on that we will write, you know, 100% of the initial code. Right, we'll put it out there, and we'll see, and you know, and we'll see what happens. We've opened it up, you know, in future years. You're a big part of that, Ben. Um, but we we opened it up, and we said, you know what, we need help, and I think it makes sense now to start to bring in with leadership by us um, the ability to take an external code. But at first, it wasn't like that. For actually, for many years, it wasn't like that. We never took an external code. Um, and again, it's because we wanted that level of assurance and, you know, co- you know, consistent timelines and quality. And it made it very difficult for us to manage, you know, a code base that would come from many third parties. This is before all these great systems yeah. that exist today <laughs> that make it possible, right? So like, you know, our tool of choice was like Skype. That was it. Right? The, yep. That's how we collaborated <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> like yeah. we passed code in Skype. I mean, it was crazy. Um, but, um, you know, but I also knew um, that you're right. You know, we do need a community to ultimately take the product and, 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 you know, um, push it into the market, you know, sell it and deploy it and, you know, customize it, all of that. You know, the story there is, um, I knew that we needed it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't really know how to get that audience, you know, at first, 
But I started to just, I think, observe what was happening at, you know, the market at large, you know, and how companies tell their story and how they, you know, how companies go to market. And what I did you know, at the time, like blogging was just starting out and my engineering team was working on building the core Magento code. And I was sitting in my desk, honestly, just bored. I didn't have anything to do because I didn't have anything to sell or anything to take to market or any story to tell yet. So out of my boredom, I started to just write blog posts and launched what was then the Varian blog. This is pre-Magento. Um, and start to get some following for this blog. Um, and I brought in an intern from UCLA and he was helping me out. And we, uh, UCLA or USC, actually, I can't remember, but he, you know, he, you know, he was helping me out and his mandate was to, you know, crank out three to four posts every single day. Again, consistency, right? So that people know what to expect from us. That was very important to me. You know, we're building credibility, you know, at a point in time with, with, with the market that at least in the, in the in the commerce open source world did not exist. There were no timelines, like code would be released whenever. Um, and I said, you know what? I have to build trust and credibility and credibility with the audience, um, with the community. And to do that, there's very clear specifics around what we uh, what we do. And we stand by everything that we publish out uh, as far as timelines and, you know, commitment. Um, so like three or four block, you know, block posts every single day. And then... Um, ultimately we started to, again, out of my boredom, I started to go to our engineers and say, Hey, tell me what you're working on. And at point this, you know, Canon point and click camera at them, pocket camera. This is pre, I think even like camera phones maybe. Um, and, (laughs) and they'll tell me what they're working on. And I posted it. This is pre YouTube. I think even, well, I, I don't know. Maybe YouTube was just, I don't even know where I put this online. I actually have no idea where this was online. Uh, and this is this probably exists somewhere. So if somebody finds it, let me know. I'd love to see it. Um, but I start to interview these people and say, hey, what are you working on? What's exciting? Why is this interesting? And I went to our design UI design team and I said to them, like, share the wireframes. Let's start to post the wireframe. Let, let, let's build in public before build in public was even a thing. Wow. Um, wow. And that started to really resonate. And we'd get hundreds of comments from people out across the world. Every single post would have all these comments about, hey, here's how we do taxes in Switzerland. And here's how we do things in Germany and, and Australia, you know, whatever. And we just start to get a lot of feedback, product insights from the community that were really instrumental in us building the product uh, in, you know, in the early days. But give us a lot of feedback. That's on one end. On the other end, it started to build a buzz and expectation that there's something new and fresh in the open source world, which the market is yet to see. Um, And that was fantastic. Commerce Famous is proudly presented by Shopware, the leading open source e-commerce platform for mid-market and lower enterprise merchants. More than 50,000 clients already process over $25 billion in annual GMV through Shopware. Find out more about Shopware and the best value in e-commerce at shopware.com. Wow, that's. I mean, that it's it's interesting. I'm sure from the from the inside, you, you weren't appreciating like, hey, we're doing these things that really have not been done before. I mean, the yeah, I guess the the model before was OS Commerce, but that was really just a consortium of people without a you know a, a sort of a, a corporate entity and a, a product organization that you know they just kind of they they were more of the the the, the old free software notion of 
of open source. But then, you know, innovations around how do we collaborate? How do we do all this stuff, which now today I think is just the default expectation because, you know, back then, I mean, at best you had subversion or mercurial, right, for, for version control. And that's not and there. There weren't any kind of collaborative spaces like we have with Git and GitHub. Uh, right. That that's pretty that's pretty fantastic. You you probably are a little bit proud when you look back and see the the, the innovations that you did not not just at a code level but at a business level and and really in this 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 e commerce world. No, for sure, for sure. I, I you know I definitely look back and and um, you know I reflect and and you know I'm very proud of the team and everything that we've accomplished. Um, you know, a lot of it sort of the go to market was again due to the boredom. And I every time I talk to an entrepreneur these days. Um, you know, I tell them, I think space and time actually create opportunity for creativity. And if I was just too busy, if I was actually doing coding, yeah. you know, first of all, the code base would have sucked. You know, would have sucked. <laughs> but second of all, I would never have time to do what I did to actually get the product out, right? From a yeah. storytelling perspective, right? And, and sort of build that, uh, you know, build yeah. that marketing momentum that we had even before the code was released. So thankfully, I didn't code. I think for the benefit of all, I didn't code. Um, but it also gave opportunity. And I think there's a lot of lessons in just creating the time and space to be creative that can be applied to, you know, to any entrepreneurial journey. Right. Okay. So, so then, um, I look at, you know, and I look at in terms of building ecosystem, I mean, it's not just about building interests. I mean, you, I think things were done in such a way and, and maybe was it the case that the market was in such a state that all of these people had all of these ideas that they brought to the table and not just ideas that would be part of Magento's core, but, but, but ideas that would be part of, you know, that could be their own business, right? And these would be, this would be functionality that they could sell. And you, you all also enabled, uh, enabled people to build solutions, market those solutions, whether they were purely, you know, front end and thematic, or they were deep and functional, or they were integration with, with payment methods. I mean, you all as a product company, aren't going to go out of your way to integrate with, you know, payment methods in, you know, in the, in the Middle East to start with, or, you know, or in, you know, in, you know, in Switzerland to start with, you're going to say, Hey, here's, you know, here's, here's the opportunity. And anyone that wants to build those interfaces, well, you can do that and you can do that to grow a customer base. You can do that as a, as a direct stream of revenue. Um, do you see those kinds of opportunities existing anywhere today still? I mean, look, I think, I think they do exist, right? And we, there's, there's platforms in the commerce space, Shopify being one, you know, uh, many others out there as well that I think have identified that there's an opportunity to monetize you know, through, you know, third-party integrations and extensions, apps, you know, built on top of their platform, right? That, that's the wish of every platform that, 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 that others build on top of it, right? You know, right. Ultimately, um, you know, Magento Connect was that app store that, that we had. I actually never thought we could monetize. I even think people could people pay me money, you, you know, to have those apps on top of our ecosystem. Um, and we never really did a good job of that. It was so, so early, you know, in those days, but it was... You know, this this was conceived right from the very beginning. We knew extensibility was going to be key, just from our pain, right? In in the agency world, like you know, every time a customer would come and would want some features or capabilities, we would love to reuse code, right? We didn't think that you know, we didn't think we need to re- reinvent the wheel every single time. So we were right, payment tripping, et cetera, et cetera. There's just so many opportunities to extend a product, and in the wish to build a platform, um, you definitely want to you know, want to create opportunities for third parties to do that. Yeah. Well, that's the, uh, you know, that's the uh, sort of, a, 
I knew what I was asking when I asked that question, because of course there, there, there are plenty of people building on top of other ecosystems, uh, in, in other solutions. And what I wonder about today is the sort of the, this take rate that exists, right? This is, I think one of the things that has, that has changed between, you know, how things are for the past few years, uh, compared to how they were 15 odd years ago, uh, the rise of, of SaaS based integrations, um, into these, into solutions has, has really, you know, on the one hand, it gives, it gives the innovation, the innovators, the direct control that you know, the, the, the direct touch with the customer to a degree, but platforms, it's always a dance, at least from what I see, um, that platforms will, you know, will over time tend to, tend to, they'll tend to see exactly how they can, you know, take part in that stream. But I think it's on it's incumbent on the platforms to figure out what's, you know, what the right sort of what the right take rate is versus how can we make sure that there is enough there's enough capital flowing directly between, you know, or mostly directly between um, the innovators and the merchants that are relying on them in order to keep the you know to keep the the top of the iceberg above the water. And that's, I think, actually, I, I, my my hats off to uh, to Harvey and Toby over at, at at Shopify because a couple of years ago, they said, "Hey, you know what? If you're if you are uh, if you have an app in our ecosystem, we're we're going to let that you know that that first huge chunk of revenue. We're not going to have any take rate on that. We're going to we're going to let you keep that. I mean, they still you know they you know the more people that they have on their platform, there's there's still there you know there's still some benefit from them. But I thought that was that was kind of a that 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 signaled an industry shift, and it really put some power back in the hands of um, back in the hands of the innovators. But I do wonder if we're going to see this over time as 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 different as every successful platform starts to take more and more scope on. You know, you look at you look at some of the the platforms out there like Miracle. You know, I think is is a great example of a company that 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 started. You know, so you know. Around this set of this features and functionality, but then has has continually expanded itself and become a platform into itself. Um, what do you what do you see What do you see as, as trends down the road? I mean, do you think there's still going to be space for um, you know space for this kind of interplay between uh, platform and, and and innovative businesses integrating in it? I think as businesses mature, um, they have to continue to find diversified revenue streams <laughs> and especially platforms will extract more of the pie that they create. It's just inevitable. I think there's just no other way to think about, about that. Yeah. Well, um, we see this in the app store, like, you know, Apple app store, we see this in Google. We see, I mean, it's just, you know, you see this everywhere, right? It's typically started with SMB. And then you move upstream, right? Shopify is one example. Shopify was working with the smallest of merchants 10 years ago. Now Shopify Plus and beyond, right? Um, Magenta certainly as well, right? Um, become, you know, become, I mean, there's just endless examples. I don't know too much about Shopware, but, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, is where the aspiration is. Actually, I did hear a podcast uh, by the founder, I forget his name, but by the founder. Um, and, but, you know, mid-market, right? Uh, so it just, it just happens. It's the way that it is. It's it's natural, and I think you can expect that as companies mature, they'll take a they'll they'll try to take a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, I you know I think this this so I've, you I don't think I've ever sh- I've, I've shared my, my my pie metaphor with you. So I think there are you're right um, as as platforms the, the the tendency is for platforms to just take a bigger piece of the pie. There's another approach 
to growth. Um, and that is to just grow the whole damn pie. And if you could leave all things the same, then, then everyone is still has the same, the same sort of ratio relative to each other, but everyone's. Ben, but the Holy more. grail, Ben, the Holy grail is if they can do both. I, I, yes, I believe so. Right. And, and, and we have, we have interesting things that, that, that we're working on, um, to that end, but this is, this is not about us. This is about you. Um, <laughs> and, and actually I wanted to kind of bring it back, uh, bring it up to the, um, you know, just, just think, just looking at the opportunities out there today. So, I mean, you're, you're at R squared, um, and, and you are, you know, so you're at R squared and I'm sure, so I've seen some of the, some of the logos on of the companies, you know, in which, in which you all have invested and, and advised and, you know, so some of them have been just tremendously successful and they, they are well-established top of their category. They are expanding their functionality and their reach, uh, both, uh, you know, in terms of the size vertical and, and geography, um, you know, but that doesn't mean that this is the end of opportunity. I mean, you know, when we look at the challenges being faced today and tomorrow, what opportunities do you see out there for, you know, for the, for, you know, today's founders or the founders of tomorrow? Well, it, it's a really hard question for me to answer because, you know, I have been now in the commerce space for over 20 years. And there were a few paradigm shifts, right? Starting with open source, sort of the beginning of my career, on-premise open source, <laughs> then led by mobile, then by the cloud. And, you know, potentially there's an, another paradigm shift today with AI and the advances that we're seeing there. I can't say that I have a crystal ball and I can really see what those opportunities are per se, you know, I haven't taken just a ton of pitches this last, you know, three, four months, you know, in this space. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I, and by the way, I have not yet made an investment, you know, in this front. Um, by the way, I didn't say headless and I didn't say it for a reason, but we can park that for now. Oh yeah. I'd love to go back um, to that. But I, I, uh, I think that this is a new paradigm shift with AI. And I, you know, my, my, my gut says that, look, I, there's going to be a new new models, new opportunities, new ventures that could unfold. And and you know, I'd love to back a team or two, you know, that are thinking about this in this space. But I haven't done that. And I I, you know, it's not immediately clear to me what that is. So if you're working on something, give me a call. I'd love to learn more. I and I can I can say that uh, I mean certainly your your advice and and counsel uh, just for me over the years <laughs> has been invaluable. Um, so, uh, take him up on the offer. Uh, he, he's, he, he, lives to be pitched to these days. So, um, <laughs> take, take heed, uh, you know, is there anything, uh, is there anything you, you, you want to talk about anyone you want to call, uh, call out that you're currently, you know, that you're building or you're advising or investing in? So let's see. So, um, we invested this year in a company called rebuy, rebuy engine, mm-hmm. Uh, which you may, which you may know, it's it's a Shopify ecosystem product today, but will be expanding onto other platforms in the future. Um, and they are in the card upsells and recommendation space. There's additional products that are coming out. Uh, we love the product. Um, we love. Ultimately, we absolutely love the team. Um, James and John are absolute rock stars. Uh, they come, they came from the agency world. They understood the problems intimately. Mm, they, yeah. they've had, you know, a great network. Um, and they're executing extremely well. Um, 
Uh, yeah. That's that's a, so there you go. I mean, well, when you look at when you look at AI, and I, I think uh, not that I'm not that I'm in your position, at least not anytime soon, uh, to be to be an angel investor. But when you um, when you look at AI and, and all of the the, the, the rapid movement uh, and everything else that's going on there, probably uh, probably a little bit of a slower roll is is called for. I think that I think some I think just a little bit of of you know a, a slight conservative conser- just a slight conservative uh, I'm just going to have to say that again and again just a slight bit of conservatism there is 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 warranted but I do think that uh, that especially like intelligent especially intelligent search recommendations informed really well informed personalization these things are, I, th- I think these, these companies have been working in the machine learning space. And so they have had, they have had an adjacency to like cross market big data sets that probably set them up well, uh, and maybe give them a little bit of a head start when it comes to getting, uh, really making something legitimate, something tangible, I should say, of AI. Is that, is that, how does that sound to you? I I, I completely you know agree. I, I think that you know I've I've been preaching data driven commerce for for ten years now, mm-hmm. right? Because I felt like a lot of the decisions that we were making around UI, around um, you know on page um, widgets of some kind, and there's there's you know product you know PDP page you know stuff, and there's there's cart stuff, and there's checkout stuff, and you know all of that um, was you know, it was largely sort of done by A-B testing, right? You try something, doesn't work, you try something else, measure, you know. You know, but ultimately, we need it to be data-driven. And there's there's a lot of data, in, you know, and insights that are collected um, that can be shared across the network, across the, you know, across the virtual network. Um, and I think there's a few companies now that are, that are you know, coming out, Revise One, um, that, you know, are starting to use data that they have to create much more, informed and data-driven decisions on behalf of the merchants. You know, yeah. one of my pet peeves is, you know, when you go to the Shopify app store or really any app store, you know, uh, in the commerce world, there's just like endless amounts of options. Yep. And if I were a merchant just starting out, I would be like, where do I begin? This is too complex. You know, I don't want to be in the business of trying out 20 different things. It just, it feels like it should be simplified. Right. And almost like a bundle or a collection. Here's, what you need and it's backed by data it's backed by insights and here's a collection of services that you need to be able to optimize for the consumer base for the customer you know for the customer base that you're really seeking to attract um things need to be simplified they've become extremely complex over the years (laughs) right yeah i don't know it feels like it feels like that's an opportunity well it's almost like we need we need (laughs) we need personalization for personalization, right? We, we, we need recommendations for our recommendations. What it's called is curation. I mean, one of the, one of my favorite just modern sort of business folk is a woman out of, um, out of Honduras named uh, Andrea Hernandez. And she started this thing called snack shot, right? And this is just about curating all of these like direct consumer or just really novel and cool and, and not big box um, snacks. Right, but she's hit on this thing. She hit on this trend a while ago, and it's just sort of with the volume of of, of individual options and, and and multiple options coming at us. 
uh, curation in general is just be- going to become more and more important. And it sounds like sounds a bit like what that's what you're that's what you're talking about here. Now, I don't want to let this this episode get by without going back to the headless. Uh, you mentioned UI briefly, but I want to talk about headless because yeah, it seems like headless has has had its moment. Uh, I, I, I I wouldn't even care to see where it is on the Gartner hype cycle or the hype cycle in general. Um, but let's, let's, let's look at, let's, let's look at your, uh, your thoughts on headless, because I think there are a lot of people out there, uh, that would, that would really appreciate your perspective. Here's my perspective. And it may be a bit contrarian, I think, to where the market is, at least from a perception perspective. Right, and for sure, from a capital raising perspective, I'll tell you that because many many investors have funded, you know, a lot of these companies. Where I, you know, so I, I took, you know, I took a lot of pitches, and I saw most of the companies, you know, most of the headless companies in the market. Um, and I, 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 I mean, I passed. I didn't, I didn't invest in any of them, and it's because I had a really hard time. I still do in understanding why the advance in technology will position the merchants of today and the merchants of the future to now own a technology stack, hire engineers, hire talent, go back to the days where I started was, which were for, you know, Magento back in the day, you needed a team, a team of engineers, a team of developers and a skill set. And to me, it kind of made no sense to go back and ask these merchants who have now largely divested from that talent of people, they outsource technology. Now we're asking them to recruit talent in-house to be able to support that. Hmm. And it didn't feel to me like these merchants really wanted to do it. What's so I said, you know what? I don't know that, that this is going to work long-term. It's not their core skill. I mean, that's right. I mean, they're, they're in the business of being in, in their particular business and trying to be a, you know, a, 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 a product org, you know, or adopt agile methodology doesn't, you know, it's, it's, it's rare that there is a business that could take on that scope and do it well. I mean, this, and this kind of, this ties in, this actually ties in nicely with the whole idea of curation. I mean, that's what agencies have, you know, agent, agencies, solution integrators, that's what they have been doing for a long time. I mean, in addition to, you know, plenty of other things, but they have provided a ton of, a a ton of, you know, curation in this space. Like, Hey, you have these solutions, or maybe let us help you refine your, your requirements. You have these solutions out there that, that, uh, that satisfy these requirements, but these are the, these are the best of the best. We've already done this work for you. This is our expertise. And then, you know, we'll handle, we'll handle getting that implemented. Right. So I think I still, I mean, I should ask, do you still see agencies as being a a technical, especially technical agencies as being necessary? I mean, I look at even in the promise of the SaaS world, when you, when you want to do anything beyond what, what comes out of granted an, an expanding box of functionality and extensibility, when you need to tie multiple integrations together, when you when your when your differentiation depends on uh, depends on a specific you know order and and priority of 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 tooling, well, 
Yeah. I mean, you, you've got to have someone who really knows that stuff to be able to do it. So my contention would be that, that agencies are, are going to be around for, for a very long time. I, I guess I should ask if you see the same. I see the same. Absolutely. I think they add a ton of value. And I think that in a world where technology is outsourced largely, they fill in the gap where organizations need specific capabilities and functionalities that are outside the box. And those will continue to exist, right? I think there's, you know, back in the day, we said no two businesses are alike. I think they're closer to be alike than they were in the past, but there's still quite a bit of differences in terms of implementation, in terms of operations, in terms of systems. And that's where the agencies come in and fill the gaps. So I don't, I, I don't see them disappearing. They'll have to continue to evolve. I mean, think about this, right? right back in the day, when you needed to launch an e-commerce website, you need an agency to not only download the proper open source tool and integrate it, you needed the agency to actually spin up your servers yep. and maintain them, right? Um, well, that is no longer there. So the agency's model has changed in terms of their skill sets and their need and you know, and their and their and their ability to deliver perhaps a differentiated product over time, they'll evolve. They'll evolve to where they add value, and that's changed over the past twenty years. That I can I, that I can see, and and now they're all going to have to uh, probably acquire some AI skills. Uh, if if your uh, if your um, prediction is uh, is going to come to pass, and I can see, I can really see that. There is there there aren't going to be many corners of this industry, this industry as we know it today, that that aren't going to be supercharged, uh, disrupted, or maybe in some cases even just completely obviated by AI. Is that a fair assessment? A hundred percent, hundred percent. Again, I, I can't put my finger on it quite yet. Yeah. Right, but I'm I'm listening and I'm and I'm attentive to I think the opportunity and the change that this will bring. And there's going to be a few smart folks out there that will figure it out, um, and you know, and and you know, and really change the paradigm. If we're a student of history, I think we can attest that, you know, yeah, the, with different dynamics come opportunity, uh, and 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 this is one of them. Well, I mean, that's a, that's an interesting question. Now, uh, it just occurred to me, e-commerce was tectonic shift in the commerce world. And now we see, I think we may be on the next, you know, we may be in the next period of change, kind of a pre-Cambrian explosion of, of, of new technologies and approaches, but, but all of it AI powered so that we really, uh, I, I might even say we'd go up a level from here and, and, and operate even at a, you know, just sort of at a higher level with everything just functioning underneath. Is that, is that too out there? Can you get behind that yet? Look, I, I, I believe it. Uh, I, you know, I guess you're hearing my hesitation, Ben, because I, I can't wake up in the morning and tell you what that is, right? <laughs> but I know that I'm going to wake up one morning and I'll be like, God dang it, it was right in front of me. Yep. Right? Um, and I worry about it. I worry about it because I, you know, as an investor, right, I kind of want to be able to, to pinpoint and say, you know, here's the thesis and here's like where we double down on, but you know, I just don't quite see it right now, but I'm still studying, right? And I'm still learning and I'm, I'm, I'm having some wonderful conversations. I'm, I'm being challenged and I challenge and it's, it's just part of a healthy process of understanding what the impact of the landscape is going to be in this new world and environment. 
Oh man, I, I, I kind of can't wait for it, but I can also, uh, there's also a little bit of trepidation. I mean, mostly for the many people that I know in this space who, uh, you know, who, who will probably have to evolve their businesses or take a whole, a whole different tack. Now, is there, are there any, um, uh, are there any resources out there, any, any publications or places where you go, uh, to get the kind of information today that you think will help you make the right decisions that you'll be really excited about tomorrow? Look, uh, you know, tw- Twitter obviously is one, mm-hmm. um, but it's been a shit show. I, like I, it's, <laughs> it's hard for me to follow what's going on anymore. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you feel the same. You feel the same by the way. I, it, it's, it, 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 it is definitely a, a much different space than it was, you know, yeah. um, uh, a little while ago. Um, yeah. I, I know one one uh, one of the the newsletters I, I pay attention to is uh, TLDR. Um, yeah, out there it's just it's a it's a good it's a good digest, and it is just that it's a digest. So you can you get you get an email, and you can pick your topics, and uh, and then the AI space there's there's just just great summary of like hey this is going to take you two minutes to read three minutes to read. It's a great it's it's coffee. It's the other kind of coffee for your brain in the morning. I yeah. Think. So I, I yeah so I subscribe to that and a couple more um, and. Yeah. And just, you know, the great thing is that, you know, I get an opportunity to sit down with maybe three or four new entrepreneurs a day. Wow. And hear their ideas and and learn from them. And this is why I love what I do, right? I love what I do because I just learn every single day. I mean, I share a ton, right? Right. And I'm, I'm, you know, I try to be as helpful as I absolutely can. But ultimately, my mind is blown because these people are calling and they're great and they've got these crazy ideas. And, and I'm at a point where I'm just taking the, these great conversations and, you know, and, and really expanding, you know, the landscape of my thinking. And I, and I love it. Yeah. So the, so the innovation train, I mean, and you were, you were kind of at the station in e-commerce when the innovation train took off, but uh, it's in, it's in no danger of running off the tracks. In fact, it might even be picking up steam, right? A hundred percent. I mean, look, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of opportunity and, I mean, it's interesting, you know, a lot of times when, when founders in, in the e-commerce space pitch me, you know, the first thing I say is, guys, look, I may be the worst e-commerce investor ever because I've just had 20 years of history in this. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, my level of skepticism is probably higher than most. Yeah. Um, so, with that, you know, let's talk about the idea and see and see and see how we think about it. Um, but no, there's, there's look, you know, we're, we're creative, we're, we're creative species, right? Um, and there's just no end to it. And, and some things were just blown away by and, you know, um, other things, um, we, uh, you know, we, we, we may not get as excited, but, but, you know, but ultimately, you know, um, we do the best we can to kind of assess what the opportunities are and the times we get, you know, we get the opportunity and we're, and, and we're fortunate enough to let our, you know, entrepreneurs, um, bring us into these rounds and, you know, participate, but it, you know, it's, it's a process and it's uh, you know, it's a lot of fun sitting through these calls and, and, and just learning. I had one this morning that was just so inspiring. I mean, this, this entrepreneur is just such a hustler and I, I just fell in love with him. And I said, wow, you know, I, this idea may not work, but like, I, I just want to, want to support you. So you tell me how, so, but, but it's, it's, it's such a blast. You'd be good at it, Ben. I got to say you're, you're very curious and that's, that's, that's a big part of, of this uh, role. Well, that's, I mean, that's very kind of you. I would also like to 
be in the position to do that. But I, I mean, I'm more than happy if, uh, if, if you were anyone, well, and you've reached out to me over the years just to, to yeah. kind of get a, get a take on things. I do. I too, I, I'm, I'm always inspired by others' creativity and drive. Uh, that is, that is something that is very restorative to me. And I'm sure, uh, you know, everyone who gets a chance to get time with you is more than appreciative, um, uh, after the fact. So, uh, Roy Rubin, R squared ventures. I have to say, uh, you know, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being our very first guest on commerce famous podcast. And I look forward to seeing everything that you all are doing. Always a blast to spend time with you, Ben. Congrats on this new podcast. I really look forward to subscribing, of course, and listening to all the great future content you'll you'll be producing. So well done, Ben. All right. Take care, Roy. Talk to you soon. All right. Take care.